Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Hawks Insiders Play Ratings. Um, it's a few hours after Hawthorne's loss to the Swans, 68 to 109 at UTAS in Launceston, the Hawks Fortress. Maybe, maybe not for not for this year anyway. I've got um, Andrew Reese here with me. Weezy, good day. Hey, Daz. Uh, yeah, I was. I've got to say that halfway through the first quarter, I was very excited about jumping on tonight and uh, and and thinking about who wouldn't get a pass mark, but gee, things turned pretty quickly and. It was it was pretty dire watching after quarter time, but that's that's what we're going to get this year. Uh, you're disappointed in the moment because it was a game we were feeling really good about at quarter time or halfway through that first quarter, but that's the reality of where we're at. And uh, and hopefully we can. I mean, we've got Prinzi in tonight, and he's usually a voice of reason when it comes to. Uh, not necessarily judging things based on the now as opposed to where we're heading. So hopefully that's the direction we take. Yeah, welcome, Prinzi. What did you make of that one? Well, firstly, it's a fair bit of pressure, but thanks for having me, gents. Um, no, no, it was... Uh, I just looked down at the score and realised it was 41 points in the end, which is a little bit shocking. Um, but, yeah, it, it was really a, a, a damn wall burst, wasn't it? Um, in that fourth quarter, they were putting on a lot of pressure, the Swans, and we just couldn't handle it anymore. So um, you're going to get that with young sides, though. So I don't think it's the end of the world. I think we've got to just have a look uh, at what the positives were, and there were still plenty of those. So I think we'll go through that, through the game and through the players and um, dissect some of those positives and hopefully leave our Hawks fans that listen to this podcast with uh, something to hang on to for the week ahead. Yeah, I think what made it really shocking, I think there was a stat that went up on the screen maybe 10 minutes into the fourth quarter with 97% time in front to Hawthorne and then Sydney 1%. And then it was just the damn wall, you know, burst and 41 points at the end of the day. So it's never fun to do these after a big loss. Um, thankfully, we haven't had too many of those this year. But let's crack in with number one, Harry Morrison. Uh, we see what did you make of his game? Yeah, I think for Harry, um, it was probably sort of similar to us as a tale of two halves. I actually thought he was really decent in the first half. I thought he was roaming around the back line, the back flank really well and doing stuff with uh, with the ball and, and making good use of his possess- possessions. I feel like in the second half when um, so many players just went, uh, were just lost. Uh, I feel like he was in that boat as well. And it's very much, you know, the last few weeks or every week we say when we're doing well, you seem to notice his games a bit more. When we're not doing so well, he's a player that you go, oh, what, what are we actually getting out of him? So I feel like the first half he was really good, died away in the second half. So I'd, I'd give him a five and a half out of 10 for the game today. Yeah, had 20 touches uh, and went at 60%. So, yeah, just saw the good and bad of Harry, I think, in, in one game. Got caught with the ball a couple too many times for me. But, you know, he's, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, eight clangers and six, six free kicks against as well. And, um, you know, I've got a massive Sydney fan who we were going back and forth about the umpiring on, on text all day. But I didn't 
to be honest, without looking at it just then. Didn't realise he'd given away six, uh, zero freeze, four, six freeze again. So together with the clangers um, and only going at 60%, you'd say he probably hasn't done enough. I reckon there's um, there's something in that. I know I messaged in our WhatsApp group during the game. I don't think he knows how to tackle properly. If you have a look at most of the six free kicks he gave away, I reckon they're in the contest as he's trying to lay a tackle. And his tackling technique just is not AFL standard. Like who does know how to tackle properly, Tom Mitchell uh, had seven tackles. Um, what did you make of his game, Boise? I think one of the highest possession getters on the ground. Yeah, similarly, I think his first quarter was basically incredible. Like he, he continued where he left off at the end of the Geelong game and I thought he was fantastic. But again, um, he went missing uh, for a lot of the rest of the game. Um, the biggest unfortunate thing for me was one of our best passages of play all year that ended up with him deep inside forward 50, 20 metres out. What's he thinking going on and playing on, playing on, trying to snap? He just should have gone back and drilled it and it would have, um, would have completed a wonderful passage of play. He tried hard. We've got some major, major midfield issues at the moment. I'm not sure how he's going to fit into that moving forward. Um, I, I still think he gets a pass. I give him a six. About you, Prinzi? Yeah, like Weezy said, he he was phenomenal uh, when being asked to do what he's good at in the first quarter and a half, maybe maybe first half of the game. And then the Sydney midfield started getting on top and he was chasing. Uh, and defensively, he's not great, I don't think. Um, not necessarily in the contest, like the seven tackles shows that he can, he can lay a tackle and you're right there, Daz. But when the spread happens defensively, he can't stop it. He can't go with them. So um, he gets exposed there like a lot of our midfielders did today and um and that that hurts so that brings his uh brings his score down but yeah six and a half for me i think he was pretty he was he was solid he was very good in the first quarter but like the rest of us died off after that all right be kind jarman mp number four have didn't have any preseason at all hasn't played a lot of footy third game back making a lot of excuses for him because I, I love i love him but um yeah, the stats don't look great. Two two possessions in with eighty two percent total game time. Um, Prinzi. Yeah, a point per possession. If we're being kind, um, look. If we want to say something nice about his game, it was good to get some K's in the legs. That's all we can say, right? I, I think I, I think I messaged you guys saying. It, it looked like he was actively avoiding the footy, like like he was allergic to it or something. So it's it's amazing how such a quality player can play 82% of the game time, I think you said, and uh, and only touch the ball twice. Um, but, you know, he'll be better for the run um, and we just need to get some some uh, some games into Impey and get him feeling, feeling good at AFL level again and hopefully he bounces back next week. I think part of the issue is with Impey was he was – you know, I think maybe this is his sort of lackluster performance in the back half that Mitchell brought him into the forward line to see if that could generate anything. But he just, he's not a forward and he looked even more lost there. What do you reckon, Reese? Yeah, I just think, I mean, even the last, you know, even last week, he got better as the game went on, but he still looked like he was slow. He was slow, and that's not Jarman Impey. 
he was struggling to get up to the speed of the game. Um, and I agree with Prinzi about the case in the legs. The biggest question is, um, notwithstanding the, the question that comes after that around who you replace him with, is whether he's better off getting his confidence in in the twos playing for Box Hill, given absolute free license to do what he wants off the halfback line, just to get some of that pace and run and dash back to get his confidence back to then bring him back to to come in as the jars we know and love and need. But um, he just he, he looks quite a way off the mark in terms of the pace of the game. So. Um, two's probably a bit a bit kind, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I think it, it, it's is the perfect play. We probably should have done it in combination with the next player, Daz, because I think uh, the four and five together are probably causing a few headaches for fans from today's game. Let's roll straight into James Warple. Eleven possessions, it went at eighty odd percent, but. Yeah, spent spent quite a bit of time sort of lost on the wing, I would say. Uh, half game time defensive, half half the game time in the offensive half. Just kicked a nice set shot goal, but aside from that, was not a great game for James Walpole. Yeah, I think I spent some time uh, defending him, certainly to half time in our WhatsApp group. And I actually, I think his first half was pretty good. Uh, I think his intent is there and I think he's prepared to put his body on the line, which is significant given, you know, some of the younger kids in, in the midfield. I think he had one possession for the second half. So um, that's that's just totally unacceptable regardless of what position you're playing in, let alone a mid rotating through the middle and playing up high half forward and, um, yeah, he, he certainly doesn't get a part. The, the goal was good. He doesn't get a pass mark today, so I'd give him a four. But, like, I see enough in him to go, well, would you replace him with Liam Shields? For me, Warple's part of the solution going forward, and um, uh, so I wouldn't necessarily be dropping him, uh, but he's got a bit of work to do. Uh, James Sicily... It was an interesting game because I've never seen him so bad with on by foot as he was in that first half. Just don't know what um, kind of tweeted out that was there someone impersonating James Sisley out there because I just don't think he's ever kicked that way. And maybe it was the skinnier ground. I'm not. I'm not really sure what was going on. But um, yeah, what did you make of his performance today, Prinzi? Yeah, it was um, marked the ball really well, but man, it's not often we say this. He's disposal by foot, especially early uh, when we were on, he was off. So um, he warmed into the game a little bit, um, but the ball was down there a fair bit um, late. So um, I think got a few of his touches late. Um, he was he was solid without being spectacular. Um, I'd give him a six. Um, but, you know, even a six game for, for Sis at the moment looks like 21 touches and 11 marks. So it's not, it's not, a, bad, it's not a bad outing, is it? Not at all. Um, the next one, Sam Frost, number eight. Um, another jo- job on Buddy. Thought he did reasonably well. Um, 
all action, a bit of frost ball that worked out. Uh, what do you reckon of his game we see? Yeah, I mean, Buddy could have finished the day with seven or eight uh, had he been kicking straight. And, uh, you know, there's the, the moment off the ground that he could have picked it up and kicked the goal. And uh, he just wasn't on, which he often isn't, Buddy, against us in terms of his radar. Well, I think Frost generally did uh, a, a good enough job. Um, I think he tried really, really hard. It was the first time in a long time I can remember him butchering it. And by butchering it, I mean, you know, you get the run and he kicks it or turns it straight over to the opposition, like a classic frost ball. And you live by the frost ball, you die by the frost ball. I haven't seen that sort of level of frustration personally with him since maybe even the first half of last year. So, um, Again, in the, the biggest scheme of things, with the amount of time the ball was coming into the back line, I thought he did a good enough job. He gets a pass. Um, I'll give him a, a five and a half. Um, but I think, you know, his, it, it, it wasn't one of his days to remember, put it that way. Another player that we've been talking about a lot this year, Jay Grumira. Was he the stand-in captain today again? Let's say that he was. Um, I thought they were going to rotate that, but uh, they haven't really been great on the comms there, Hawthorne, with who the rotating captain is. Uh, 20 disposals. I think the key one there is 10 tackles, um, which could have been a game high. Let me have a check of that. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, Prinzi, you were very vocal in your defence of uh, Jager on, um, earlier when we were having a chat. What did you reckon of his game? Well, to be fair, in the Hawks Insiders uh, WhatsApp chat, Jay gets absolutely smashed, smashed. And I think it's, I think it's because of the price we paid for him and the expectations we might have personally, you know. And look, he's not playing good football. He's not in good form. Um, but he 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 tried his heart out today, and and it wasn't clean, and it wasn't pretty, and you know he'll get a pass from me, but it's probably a five and a half or a six, something like that. Um, but you like to see the effort and intensity. And if we compare him to Warple, who's another one that I like, but another one that isn't quite working in our midfield unit at the moment, you just saw a lot more endeavour from, uh, from from Omira, even when the chips were down. Like um, like Weesey talked about with Warps, he had one touch in the second half. That was that goal that he kicked. Um, other than that, he was unsighted. At least Omira was around all the packs, laying a tackle, trying to inf- have an influence. Didn't work, but he tried. So, uh, yeah, he can have a six. I'm, I'm going to land on a six for Omira today, and I can see Weesey grimacing in the corner. Quick rating, Weesey. Yeah, oh, I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, he did have the ten tackles, but I, I mean, I'd, I'd maybe give him a, a five, maybe a pass mark. Just, just, I think it's no different to what we've talked about in recent weeks from a, a rating point of view, and even through spaces, and we've just been, you know, we've just been shouting out for one of our more experienced mids to just lead the way. And it should be him and we want it to be him. And absolutely there's the element of we're never going to get the Jager that we thought we bought. But I still think he should be giving us a lot more than he is currently. And 
Um, there are a few times he got caught with the ball. There are a few times he didn't run with his opponent who out-muscled him and got away from him. And, um, yeah, I, I think that oh, it's really hard because in our midfield, our problems are not one-dimensional. So it's hard to say it's all his fault, but I feel like the fact that he's supposed to be, <laughs> yeah, that it's all his fault. No, I feel like he could be, you know, he should be doing a lot more and that should be um, highlighted. Yeah, it's a real conundrum because I just don't think there's, you know, you're not going to bring in an Ed Long for O'Meara and see instant results. So this is a rebuild um, of a midfield that's going to take quite a few years and it's it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of uh, Jager's career plays out because... I just don't think he's going to be that damaging, damaging mid that we that we traded so much for. He's also, I mean, he's only just turned twenty eight, right? So he's not a thirty year old football. He's not a thirty one year old footballer. Twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. He should still be in in his absolute prime. So when it comes to where's our list going to be in three or four years' time when we're contending? for flags again, he's supposed to be there playing. So you talk about bringing Long in, I, I agree, it's not for Jager. It's for someone like Shields, who is getting a game, whether as last week or as the sub this week, who isn't going to be there in four years' time. But that makes it even, that, that places it even a more higher expectation, I think, on Jager, because he's not just our leader now, He's supposed to be leading this group over the next four or five years. Um, and the more we go on with him playing the footy he's playing, the more concerning it is for me because I don't think he's that leader. So anyway, that's probably enough about Jager. I think so. Let's move on to number 11, Connor Nash, who was asked to uh, shoulder a, few, a bit of rock duties this week, just given Max Lynch has been off for a while for various issues, including a bee sting injury, which is probably an AFL first, I would say. Um, Nashi, I thought he battled pretty well. He had 29 ruck attendances compared to uh, 50-odd for Lynch, um, but only one, I think, four hit out. So um, I thought every time that he was in the middle there, we struggled. And I think Lynch was really the one that was um, was looking like he could get first use and get our midfielders involved. What did you reckon of his game, Princey? Yeah, I'm, I'm longing for the time that uh, we have two Ruckman and Conan Ash can play in his desired and definitely best role as an inside midfielder and enforcer around the contest. You can see when he gets to play that how good he is at setting up defensively and giving our midfielder a different edge that Jager and Warps and um, Tommy Mitchell just don't give us. Um, if we don't win the, the stoppage with those three that I just mentioned in, um, the opposition generally blows us out of the water and gets an attacking shot on. When we have guys in like um, Newcomb and, and Connor Nash who are playing in the middle, if we don't win it from the stoppage, we often lock it in and it's at least a stalemate. So you can set up better behind the ball. You don't, you know, the damn wall that we talked about breaking maybe doesn't happen with more Connor Nash 
as a sole midfielder. Not saying he's the answer, but he's a part of the, you know, part of the the solution potentially. So um, it's hard. I think you know if we want to talk about some of the positives, um, being tackled by Connor Nash would absolutely <laughs> you would be feeling that next week. A couple of those Swans boys that he hit today will be sore boys tomorrow morning. So um, he had I love two that monster tackles. Two monster tackles that you looked at them and that personified everything you're saying, Primzy, about fine if he's serviceable as a ruck. But again, tick, tick in terms of the Nash experiment as a midfielder, it's where he needs to play and is just a beast. Yeah, those two pile driving, I think there were two rugby tackles were just the Connor Nash that we want to see every single week. And yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be so much better when he's playing just in that midfield role, not having to shoulder any ruck duties because it's a, it's, there's a lot of craft involved in being a ruckman. And I just, I, I, it's admirable that he's, that he's doing it, but we, we need a proper ruckman to, to come back in. Hopefully Ned Reeves. Um, Will Day, 18 touches. Uh, you know, I think he's he's still finding his his feet again. Um, took a really we just had a, a really courageous moment. I think there in the third quarter when he poleaxed. I don't know who who was the other player involved in that from Sydney. It escapes me, but um, got so much courage and uh, poise off the back line. What did you What did you make of his game, Weesey? Yeah. I loved his game. It wasn't a 27, 28 possession type game from him, but it was enough to go, okay, he's on the, on the, on the bounce back from the injury, more K's in the legs, as Binzi mentioned earlier, more minutes, but also he went at 94% disposal efficiency. So 17 of his 18 possessions found a target. So slotting into that back line, especially with, Impy Love effectively not there. We're still missing Bramble, CJ not there. The, the, the fact that he's able to do that is significant. So and, and he's only going to get better over the next few weeks with that game time. So I actually thought he was really good, tried really hard. I gave him a six and a half. I was so worried about him getting another concussion there. Just did not want him to be that sort of player that picks up concussions every other week that's um not what we want um dylan moore number 13 loves a goal loves a specky too prinzy what'd you what'd you make of his game yeah the dylan moore train just keeps rolling i mean i think the beautiful thing about moore is he as we all know loves a goal um but what he also loves doing is getting involved up the ground so he doesn't just sit in that in that deep in that forward 50 and go, well, when it gets down here, I'll do something. He go, he actively goes and hunts it. And uh, you can see that he was a midfielder as a junior because he can, he can sniff the ball out um, anywhere on the field. And when he gets it, he generally uses it really well, like a good disposal by hand, good disposal by foot, just becoming an, an incredibly important player for this, for this footy side. And, and just one of those ones that one of the first names on the team sheet week in week out. I, I I thought he was really good. Six and a half from me, and you know had nineteen touches, um, kicked a goal, and and you just thought if we had a bit more of the ball 
in that sort of third and fourth quarter, that was a that looked like a twenty-four touch, three goal Dillamore game, you know. But we just fell away, and and uh, it didn't happen. But um, yeah, it's still still really solid, and and we just love him, don't we? He's just fantastic. Yeah, and I think the early knock on him was that he would go missing in games, um, but. Yeah, he's just his ability to work in both the offensive and defensive half of the ground um, and just just work himself into games where the ball's not not getting delivered into the forward line as much as we'd like. I think it's really impressive. And that mark was Poppy-esque. And I wonder if we actually see Luke uh, a sort of in the way that Luke Bruce would, used to get rotated through the midfield, whether that's going to be something in Dylan Moore's future. Reese. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that he has the capability to. He's, he's got the ability to play as a mid um, and knows how to get his hands on the ball. Um, I know, again, from personal conversation, Prindy feels this way. He actually, um, in, in our earlier discussion, said exactly how I feel around his value as a half-forward what he's doing across the half-forward line. Uh, like, yes, I think he could make it and be really good in the midfield, but why would you rob Peter to pay Paul when the work that he's doing across the half-forward line can obviously kick a goal, knows how to, whether they're drop punts from 50 or they're snaps from the boundary, and works so hard and high up the ground. You know, he's taking, he took a couple of his marks on the half-back line today and, he just he works so hard with his two way running that as a forward doing that uh, it's invaluable. So um, uh, unless we got into a position where we had significant injuries through the midfield or later in the season and they want to try something in terms of seeing how he goes for a few games, then uh, all for it. But for now. Um, he's one of the guys doing his job every single week in his position, and we're three and three for the foreseeable future. That's his role, so play in there. He's also, he's also, sorry, Daz, I mean, we've got such a young forward line with, um, with Cozzy and Mitch Lewis, and they're all still learning how to play together and learn each other's patterns and movements and uh, I don't think we should be breaking that up now either like the more time they can spend together up there knowing what each other does and is capable of the better another player who just keeps doing his thing uh week in week out Jack Scrimshaw number 14 Princey uh just another another really consistent game I reckon what did you think yeah, he was incredible early, incredible, um, and probably up there with uh, with Mitchell and Newcomb as our best player in in the first half. Um, like the rest of our team, slowed right down after halftime, but um, just just does his job, doesn't he? He's he's um, he's so much more than the future fourth round pick that we gave up for him, um, and just an absolute bargain get. And um, I think you know how he competes in the air. Um, how he started to compete a lot harder when the ball's on the deck. Um, I, I've really appreciated the improvement in his game there. My initial concern with him was maybe when the ball hits the floor, he's a little bit soft in the contest, but every week he's changing that perception as well, I think. And just a, just a fantastic user of the footy as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think a, a six and a half 
there as well with him. And if, um, again, if we had a, had a bit more of the ball in the last quarter and a half, then um, we're, we're looking at another big game by Jack. But um, solid and very serviceable, um, no matter the scoreline. I think people tend to forget that he was a top 10 pick. Just, you know, I guess Gold Coast just had an absolute, uh, you know, uh, many, many top top 10 picks that they squandered. So Scrimshaw was just another one, looked like another one to add to the pile, but just totally reinvented himself at the club that he loves. And you, you just love to see that. Uh, number 15, Blake Hardwick. Another one is just a formidable presence, I think, about in that half back line. Uh, Weesey, what did you make of his game? Yeah, I think it was solid. Again, uh, I think for all of our defenders, their scores are actually, uh, I reckon they've, they've been weighted. You could actually add two to their score and it would be a, a normal rating because of the amount of ball that was coming in there by the end. Like the, the number of inside 50s that Sydney ended up having compared to us uh, to, to be ahead, you know, 10 minutes into the last quarter is actually pretty exceptional and obviously there are different reasons for that but in terms of Blake I thought he was solid not outstanding but that's Blake Hardwick so um, 17 touches at 82 percent so 14 of his 17 were effective Um, yeah a number of uh, three rebounds from 50 Um, yeah six out of ten for me yeah I think uh, inside 50s was 68 Sydney to 42 Hawthorne and I think when you when you're having that many inside 50s it really does speak volumes of the back line that they managed to to hold them up as as much as they could and I guess some pretty terrible kicking for goal helps as well uh let's look at Max Lynch number 18 back from that beasting injury um and I thought he was he was he was pretty dominant in that first half what do you make of his game Quincy? Started beautifully, didn't he? Um, was jumping all over um, your your boy Peter Adams does, um, and uh, prompted a tweet which you then had to promptly delete. Have you deleted it yet? I'm not sure. No, anyway. no. The tweets no. always stay up. The tweets stay up. Well, fair play to you. Um, but yeah, started really well, and you could just see it was just look. If he, if we had um, Reeves there to give him a chop out, I think that would have been a really, really good, uh, Max, Max Lynch game. He just ran out of tickets. He just, he just didn't have anything left in the tank and that's no fault of his own. He's gone from, um, you know, injury to injury to COVID protocols to, you know, anaphylaxis beasting injury, you know, so the poor guy can't take a trick. I think he'd just be happy to run out the game and, um, and you know, be ready for next week against Max Gorn, uh, where the yeah. where the job where the job just gets harder and harder. So, um, but I thought he was good. I'd give him a six, and yeah, and let's just hope he can stay on the park because we don't we don't have any other ruckman. So, against his bunny Max Gorn, he yeah, that's right. He's got him covered. <laughs> Apparently, uh, let's see how it goes next week. Um, hoping for a peak performance. Number nineteen, Jack Unston. Yeah, it was. Just a bit of a tale of two halves there for Jack. What do you reckon, Weesey? So a couple of things with Gunners. One, one is that um, he he got four frees paid to him, so I feel like he needs to maybe hang around with Harry Morrison uh, throughout the week and maybe his luck with the um can rub off on him. Uh, what I actually find interesting is 
at the start of the season, we talked about how important, you know, Gunston was for our functioning forward line and now he straightens us up and changes the dynamic. It's funny that six weeks in, what I'm saying is how important Mitch Lewis is for Jack Gunston's game because I feel like having Mitch Lewis in there as the big bulking target takes some of the pressure off everything that Jack Gunston has to be. Um, and uh, the heightened expectation on him with without having Lewis there is somewhat unreasonable. Um, so, I mean, he tried hard. There were times where he seemed less interested, um, but it, it was, like you said, he looked much better in the first half when we did, and that can generally apply to most of the list. So uh, I give him a, a five and a half. I think he gets a pass, but um, again, it certainly wasn't a game of a significant note for Jack. Another player that got our WhatsApp was pretty polarizing in our WhatsApp group. Uh, number twenty, Chad Wingard, spent uh, most of his most of the game, eighty four percent of the game in in the forward half. Um, had a goal, gave off a pass to Finn McGuinness that he should have just snapped around the corner. Uh, Prinzi, what did you make of Chad Wingard's game? Yeah, Chad just looked like a player that could have an impact when the ball was around him, but just didn't have the conditioning to be around the ball for long enough, and we need him to. Like he, he is so classy and um, so like so good. There was a delivery, the one I think that he actually kicked to um, Finn when he should have just gone back and kicked the goal. Um, the ball delivered to him was terrible it was on top of his head but his absolute talent was the thing that that um that won that contest and and we need more of that sort of player the guys that can turn a game on their head we've got a lot of serviceable um soldier type players but we don't have the x-factor guys and chad is definitely that um but we just need his conditioning to improve so that his impact on the game can last for longer and longer um yeah, I'd, I'd give him a five and a half. I thought he was great when he was involved, but wasn't involved enough. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's he's the game changer in our team. And uh, it was it was good to have him back, I think. Um, and, he'll, and he'll continue to get better, hopefully, put those issues behind him. Uh, Luke Bruce, number 22. Um, yeah, I think he got a couple goals. Um, what did you make of his game, Weesey? Well, if you told me at the start of the game that your small forward kicks a couple of goals, generally that would be enough to, to get a pass. And um, certainly at the start of last year when, you know, Ash was having a go at whether Brucey's time's up, I've, I've stood by him. Uh, and he's been good this season. So um, oh, my issue is, I think in the second half, he had one possession, which was the mark and the kick that Chad put it on top of his head and he took that mark just outside the goal square. Um, so that's not enough from a half a footy. And and I think maybe even was his first goal right at the end of the second half as well, maybe like very, very late perhaps. So, I mean, he was missing the whole game basically, except for the two moments where he kicked his goals and, um, if you're winning by 30 points, that's totally fine. 
but when you're getting absolutely done, um, it's just not enough of an impact to be able to have on the game of footy. So I give him a four out of ten. Yeah, and we we talked about um, O'Meara and Mitchell and Warple having to, I guess, stand up and lead this group of younger players. I think there's a, a as great, if not greater. Uh, responsibility on the Gunstons and the Brewsts that have been to the pinnacle numerous times um, and know what it takes to get there, to be leading these guys on that journey for their own, um, you know, goals to win premierships. And and I think when we're good, we see it from them. But when the chips are down, we haven't seen a lot of that from Gunston and Bruce this year. Um, they go they go missing uh, when we need them to stand up. And, and look, who am I to, you know, slate a champion, right? Like these are two absolute champions of our football club. But the reality is our team is in a position where Gunston and Bruce are critically important. And until the next Gunston and the next Bruce are ready to take over that mantle, we need them to be contributing in games like this. We need Bruce to be getting more than five touches in a, in a full game of footy. So, Yeah, agree with that. Um, Jacob Kaczynski would be pretty relieved to attend zero ruck contests this week, I think. It took took its toll in the Geelong game, and while he he bat, battled pretty admirably, it's not his position. Um, I thought, you know, he kicked three straight, spent a lot of time in the forward half, contested well, and I think it's I think our our big tall stocks are looking okay. A bit of depth depth now that we have with some of the box hill players. What did you think of his game, Prinzi? I like Cozzy. I like the way he attacks the footy. Um, I like the way he hits up hits up at the ball carrier um, and he just runs through whoever's in his way. Um, he's a good straight line lead for a um, player who, you know, has started his AFL career as a backman and then converted forward. Um, uh, he goes missing for long periods of the, of the game. And I think that's just understanding um, the forward craft and that'll come with um, age and experience. Uh, and that's why somebody like Gunston so important to have in that forward mix because he's going to be an on-field coach of the Kaczynski's and the Lewis's and getting the best out of them while he's out on the field. Um, he kicked the ball beautifully. He loves playing at Utah's, doesn't he? Like he, I reckon, I reckon half the goals he's kicked in, in his AFL career are probably down in Tassie. So um, uh, yeah, but I thought he was, I thought he was good with limited opportunities and uh, he did everything you, you want your key forward to do uh, with not a lot of ball going inside 50 uh, for long periods of the game. Yeah, had, there was one moment, and I mean, this is probably the example of, you know, they're so young and they're kids and they have so much to learn, but it was that marking contest where Jager was coming back with the flight and he was just looking at the ball. Ethan, uh, Ethan I was trying to explain to him why that collision was Cozzy's fault because Cozzy sees the ball Cozzy sees Jager, and yes, under normal circumstances, it's a straightforward mark for Cozzy. He's been hit up on the lead, but he can also see that Jager is not looking at the ball and running the other way. So he should either be calling Jager out that it's his, or he should be backing backing out of that contest so that Jager takes an uncontested mark. So, you know, that's the sort of thing that no doubt we'll get played to him and shown to him and they'll do their own coaching crafts and will just be a lesson that, you know, he'll take away. But um, I, I'm fascinated to see when Mitch Lewis comes back 
and Reeves is available. And in 10 weeks' time, McAvoy is available. You talk about does the tall's looking good. Like, I think in 10 weeks' time, we're still going to be really struggling to know what our ruck slash forward from a, from a big guy point of view actually looks like, what our best combination is. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you, you highlight that moment and then I'll say that two-on-one that led to probably his best goal of the day, I think, that just is a little glimpse into what Jacob Kaczynski actually can do. And I think I think he's, again, you know, very, very early on in his journey as a forward and play, playing those tapes will really help him along um, and give us another option. But it's going to be pretty interesting to see how he integrates in a forward line um, you know, with with Mitch Lewis, Jack Gunston emerging, Jack Callow, Jai Sarong, um, Emerson Jekka. It's it's going to be really fascinating to see how the next few months play out for those talls. Uh, another tall, Denver Granger Barris, number twenty four. Uh, again, doesn't get a lot on the stat sheet, but he was. I loved his aggression today. Uh, five intercepts, um, and I thought it was one of his better games of the year. Uh, what did you reckon, Weesey? Yeah, this is the best game he's played for us in terms of a full game, I think. And whilst it's not necessarily, necessarily reflected on the stats, as you said, the number of times he came in to contest marking situations and spoil and... Um, unlike previous weeks where he's been one or two steps behind and looked a bit off it, his reading of the play today was magnificent. And, you know, that's what he's been touted as as having. And, you know, we got to see him playing on his mate, the best forward in their year level against the best defender in their year level. And um, we actually got to, to see today those glimpses as to why he was touted as the best defender in his draft year. He read the play beautifully, attacked the contest really well, disposed of the footy really well, and is another one of those, uh, like, I'm glad that at the start of the year, I think we all had Hardigan starting at fullback and being very unsure how many games DGB gets to play this season. I'm glad, like, it's clear now that he's going to play 20 as long as he's injury-free. And I think that's critical because he's going to be a core part of that back line. Absolutely. Uh, the next player, there was a bit of chatter in our WhatsApp group about Josh Ward needing a, a bit of a rest. Um, what did you make of what did you make of that comment, Frenzy, and how did you rate his overall game? I, I think I think we've got to remember that what is it, round six? in his AFL career, like kids are going to have down weeks. It doesn't mean they need a break. It just, it just means we need to ride the bumps with them. Right. So he started a little bit slow, but there was a beautiful passage of play where he um, got the ball through the middle. And I think he hit Kaczynski lace out and you just thought, Oh, we don't have many midfielders that, that, that hit that sort of kick. Um, and, and you just thought there's a nice little glimpse into the future. Right. And, and then he faded out and he got caught with the ball once or twice. Um, and then he came back into it and pinned, I think, Isaac Heaney. Uh, and I thought he was, I thought he it was actually better late in the game than he was early, which, um, you know, not, not many mates 
on that train. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, what is it, 14 touches, spent most of his t- – well, more than half of his time uh, in the back sort of half of the ground um, and and just just keeps going. And, look, he's not – He's not exploding, um, but he's building a, a solid base. And um, these guys, you know, if they're if they're fit, him and McDonald just need to keep playing. Just keep playing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they have, you know, seven, eight, 15 touches. Just keep playing. Putting games into them, that's the most important thing. Loves to turn out of the contest. It seems to be his um, signature move. Work sometimes. Sometimes he gets caught, but I agree. I think he... You've got to keep playing him, and he's 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 done okay. Um, number twenty six, Liam Shields, medical sub, zero impact. So, going to get going to move quickly on to Connor McDonald, another player. I think he's just got to keep playing. Um, slotted into the side, well, kicked a beautiful goal. Um, what did you make of his performance, Weezy? Yeah, I mean. Uh, we say this every week because they generally follow each other, but um, copy and paste the comments about Josh Ward and insert them under Connor McDonald. Six game of footy glimpses uh, like uh, I actually had no idea. Everything at the start of the year with the draft was all about Josh Ward. Like it was all about Ward and we've got him early and he's the gun mid and, yeah, people were happy about McDonald, but you're still thinking of him as a mid-20s draft pick. Watching him play footy, like the glimpses, the goal that he kicked, that snap from 35 out, which was pure instinct at the start of the second quarter, that was that was beautiful. So just getting that, I mean, he clearly faded as the game went on. But just getting that glimpse made you look at him and go, my God, like he could be some sort of a footballer. So pairing together with Ward and Nukes and that's something, despite the fact that we're getting smashed in the middle, smashed in the clearances, the balls are going into opposition 50 nonstop. Like that, that is something that you can go... I'm very, very excited by this. It's something to look forward to. So um, I also agree with Quincy. Like, yeah, maybe later in the season they need a game where they're rested. At the moment, there's six games in. So you're not going to play in the box hill if you're resting them because they're tired. Just let them play. Like, worst-case scenario, they spend more minutes on the bench we saw last week it was Ward and McDonald that seemed to have more in their tank than most others coming home strong against the Cats. As Prinzi mentioned, Ward looked good as as he went further into the game today. So same with McDonald. You can have 10 possessions every game. That's different to Liam Shields getting or Warple getting 10 possessions every game. Play them and let's enjoy the, what we do get out of them. Another polarising player. I think I keep throwing these to you, Prinzi. You, 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 no one can see this, but you're, you're rubbing your hands together. Another 32, Finn McGuinness. Uh, played a lot of the game in, in the back half of the ground. Went at 50%. Again, everyone, the big knock on Finn McGuinness is his disposals. But on the flip side, he had uh, in the top five metres gained on the day, which I was pretty surprised by that stat. 
Um, what did you make of his game, Prinzi? Yeah, I was rubbing my hands together because I just wanted to get McGuinness ahead of Weesey because I don't like to see young players get thrashed and uh, and that's what would have happened. So, no, no, no. Um, McGuinness, McGuinness had a bit of a... <laughs> It was, a, it's a hard, it was hard to put a finger on what McGuinness's game actually looked like, right? So there were some really good things. Contested uh, intercept mark in the defensive 50, worked his uh, backside off to get into the forward 50 and took took the mark from Chad's centering ball, promptly missed it. Um, but it, I think the, the issue that most Hawks fans will have with McGuinness's game was he, after every good thing, he followed it up with a bad thing. So just left that like sour taste in your mouth. You know, you thought, oh, Finn's turning the corner. No, he's not. There's a dumb thing, you know. Um, so, you know, but he'd get his hand in good areas. And and I, look, I thought I thought he wasn't bad other than, you know, his disposal efficiency by foot, um, which is which is his issue. And we know that that's his issue. I, I don't think he's going to be a world beater, but I can see there being a role for McGuinness in the team going forward if he can sharpen up his kicking. And I'd much rather him get a game than somebody like Dan Howe, who's tried and tested. And we know what his ceiling is. We don't know what McGuinness's ceiling is yet. We also don't know what his floor is, but we don't know what his ceiling is. So in the, in the sort of state that our team is in right now I'm, I'm okay with him getting games I'm okay with him making the mistakes on the job and and learning as we go I'd, I'd give him a five it's a, just a scrape pass but it's a, it's a scrape through on the pass mark because of you know the little bits that he did that you thought oh yeah that's pretty good you know big solid man that can break a tackle um, can take an overhead mark just needs to work on his kicking that's all yeah, I agree. Completely agree with that analysis. What did you? What do you think, Weezy? Yeah, like he frustrates the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie. I get really, really frustrated with um with the way he turns it over and um even how slow he can be to make some decisions. But the flip side of that is, and I'm just about to clear <laughs> my. Reese's having a bit of a coughing fit now. <laughs> Are you right? Um, the flip side of that is, would I rather see him get a game than Liam Shields? Absolutely. Do I really want him to be replaced by Howe, like Dan Howe, who you mentioned, Prinzi? Like, that doesn't worry me at all. Like, if you said it's him or Howe, so we're going to play him, fine. Like, we're in this period where it is find out whether they can play footy or not. Um, the, the biggest question that obviously no one can answer and we'll find out over time is how, how will his flaw, you talked about his flaw, how is his flaw affected by the Josh Kennedy factor? I think it's a real thing. Like it might not be totally presence at each moment but it's a real thing to suggest that there's a level of being scared about him going on to be the next Josh Kennedy somewhere else right because they're similar and it's hard because Josh Kennedy was behind Hodge and Lewis and uh, and Sewell and Mitchell um, and arguably Finn's behind that group of players that are the younger generation at our club now, but now's the time to try him and play him and see whether he's any good. 
it will just be really interesting to see how much more of a chance he gets because he's been McGuinness. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's definitely not best served playing there in the back line as well. I just we need we need a player that can use the ball pretty well. And I'd I'd love to see him in the guts. I don't know, maybe that's a crazy suggestion. He always kind of reminded me a bit of a Brad Saul type who can who is a bit of an extractor who can who can get his hands on the footy. And he's not a particularly you know, we know he's got a lot of endurance, but I don't think he's a particularly fast player. So maybe maybe that's his role. Um, but again, I, I, I'm, I'm all aboard the Finn McGuinness experiment this year and I'd love to see him get as many games as possible this year and thrive at Hawthorne. Um, moving on to someone who has unanimous love across the boards at Hawthorne. I put out a joke tweet saying that Jai Newcomb is our best midfielder. I don't think it's completely true, but it's not that far off either, which is a pretty sad indictment of our midfield. But also, yeah, we, we love Jai and um, Prinzi. What did you make of his game? I think I, I can't. I mean, I'm a I'm a fanboy, so I may I may not be able to give ratings on Jai Newcomb for the rest of the year, maybe even the rest of his career, because I, I, I I've got uh, Jai Newcomb um, tinted glasses on all the time. Um, Look, I understand that his disposal is uh, still an area that needs to be worked out. Um, I think it's more actually decision-making and execution than not being able to kick. If you look at, like, if you compare the pair with uh, Finn McGuinness and Jai, Jai can legitimately kick the football. Um, he's got actually got a really punchy, flat, like bullet-like uh, way of kicking the footy. But he either tries to bite off a bit more than he can chew or um, just doesn't execute as well under the pressure of the AFL environment at the moment. Once he tightens that up, um, man, he can do so much on that football field. Like they're, they're, I think I've said it in a space previously. Every time I think, okay, I think that might be where his ceiling might be. He might be X type player or something like that. Like originally I thought maybe like a Brad school, uh, Brad Sewell battler type, you know, which is no disrespect to Brad Sewell. He was a fantastic player, but had his had limitations, couldn't kick over a, you know, 30-meter period. But but Newcomb just keeps like going, no, 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 that's not my ceiling. That's not my ceiling. That's not my ceiling. You haven't seen my ceiling. And I think that that's just so incredibly exciting. Like, look, he's probably half a year to a year ahead of Warden McDonald in his development. But who would have thought at this point, six games in, to this season that he would be probably our second best midfielder after Tom Mitchell and the gap would not be that far. And he would be so far ahead of Warden McDonald who were fancy, fancied high end draft picks. And there's this kid from Gippsland from Puong um, who's just come in and gone, you know what? It doesn't matter where you get drafted. Just give me a shot on the list and let me prove myself. I just, it's just a phenomenal story and I just love him. Just love him. Um, so I give him a seven, give him a seven. And you're right, it does prove that you don't have to come out of the Matthew Lloyd factory of football to, to have an impact at AFL level. Just love the, the depth that he gets on those kicks. I think he kicks it over the back to, to maybe Brewster into an open goal. Uh, just the vision and the depth. And you're right, one, I think once he fix, fixes up that, that, that kicking issue that he has, which I don't think is a massive issue, I think it's just, the, just getting used to the level 
Um, he's going to be an incredible player. He already is. We see. The other thing I think that came up midweek that just enhances the love for John Newcomb is like non-Hawthorne people just love to rip us to shreds if we do something better than them. So fancy all the discussion midweek about needing to change the rules of the mid-season draft because within the rules, we got Jai to put a price on his head and then took him round to anyway. So Hawthorne's done an unbelievable job unearthing this guy that everyone else had the same opportunities to but didn't. We've got him. So now we'd better think about, you know, maybe changing the rules so that Hawthorne can't do it again. Like, doesn't that just make you love him even more? Um, for, for our new listeners, you can join Prinzi and I at Jai Newcomb Fan Club, uh, the official uh, Jai Newcomb Fan Club Twitter account. Uh, we'll be tweeting about him for the rest of, well, his playing career. What, what a superstar. Love him. I think Nathan Buckley's part of that fan club, isn't he, as well? He's our number one ticket holder, actually, yeah. We've reached out to his people anyway. He doesn't know it yet. But he <laughs> will I love that Buckley interview. I've watched it about four times um, because it takes, you know, one to no one when it comes to to great midfielders, and Nathan Buckley was certainly that that midfielder over his career. Um, I think that's that's the end of it tonight. Thank you so much, boys, for joining us. No, it's pretty hard to do this after a loss. But, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll address that next week against Melbourne, I'm sure, and have a, have a, really, have a really positive play. Big bounce range. back win, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just they've got to lose one game, don't they? Eventually. Do you know what? It's always good, even after a loss, chatting about our players with, um, with people who have like-minded, a like-minded understanding of where we're at. Um, I'm obviously away for the next week. So if that's Brad filling my role after the Melbourne game to do player ratings, good luck to all of you. <laughs> Prince is just crossing himself. I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the... I'm looking forward to the Brad cameo because he certainly gets people going in the, in the WhatsApp. And Brad, if you're listening, we're, we're ready for you. Bring it. Don't <laughs> change, Brad. Don't change. Well, thanks again for joining us, everyone. And make sure that you keep up with Hawks Insiders on our Substack on Twitter. I think we've got our Twitter spaces at some point this week. We'll, we'll let you know about it. But thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you.